This is The Guardian. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. And surely nothing could possibly happen on Sunday to keep Reese Nelson from being the headline of the weekend. And then Liverpool 7, bracket 7, Manchester United 0. Where on earth did that come from? Should we attempt to read too much into it? Can Gakpo and Nunes be Firmino and Mane in Klopp's Liverpool Mark 2? And should we stop asking if Eric Ten Hag's men are in the title race? And then it's time for Reese. What an amazing strike in an amazing game. Bournemouth players collapsing like a team of Sami Kafours as the ball flew into Neto's net in the 98th minute. And then for reasons only they will know, the Arsenal players, managers, fans and Ian Wright celebrated. What on earth is that all about? Also today, Manchester City proved just too clinical for Newcastle, whose poor run continues. Are the bottom nine all in crisis? West Ham surely are battered at Brighton. Big wins down there for Southampton and Wolves. Who knew Adama Traore could guide a side foot volley in off the bar from the edge of the box? Graham Potter finally sees his side score a goal. Maybe it'll all be all right. And then there's Arsenal's win, the Conti Cup, a bit of EFL, some wildlife based Apologies, your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendenning, welcome. Hello, Max. Hello, Robin Cowan. Good morning, Max. And the remaining all-new Barney Ronnie. Welcome, Barney. Hi, Max. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Hendrick says, usually this season I've been annoyed that you've not led the pod enough with the league leaders. But tomorrow, if you lead off with another subject, I will totally understand. Uh, yes, Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Lots of questions on this. Richard says, can Barry clarify if he still thinks Liverpool are at risk of falling into a relegation battle? Um, Stephen says, as a Manchester United fan, really keen to know the latest on your Subaru. If you do about 50 minutes on that. Extraordinary. And Dave says, can anyone say they didn't see this coming? Well, yes, I didn't see it coming. Um, Barney, did, could, did you see it coming? No, I mean, that, that's the whole point of this um this result which was it's just very funny isn't it it's very funny the whole thing was very funny after um the last couple of weeks where you know you spend your whole life as a as a kind of football hack trying to frame a narrative trying to understand what's happening why has this happened and the last week has all about been about culture change and what you know 10 10 ways that eric ten hag has cured the rot like what what's happened what is it is it casemiro is it small i i decided it was small details little details that can spread outwards and create a kind of coherent culture and can fix the rot and uh, just his seriousness uh, little details about timekeeping personal man management just inspirational stuff about how an institution can be transformed. And then they go and lose 7-0. And, you know, <laughs> and it just looks ridiculous. And all the stuff about Casemiro's incredible mentality. His incredible mentality has transformed this institution. 7-0. It's just very funny. <laughs> and also, I wrote a thing about how Liverpool, you know, Liverpool, it's over. It's finished. You know, it's gone. That That has gone. The one thing we know is that that has now 7-0. They won 7-0 against Man United. It's just very funny. I think it's got something to to do with the season, to be honest. It, it has been a, a season where there have been quite a few um, surprising results either way. Don't forget we had that huge break in the middle of it. Odd things are going to happen. I mean, Marcus Rashford has played something like, I think it's 23 games in s- less than 70 days. Which is you know between three and uh, three and four days between every game. Uh, Liverpool, uh, Man United have played more games than than anyone else, and I think they kind of ran out of steam. You know, they, they it was it was only it was still nil nil, forty three minutes gone, and they were kind of doing okay, but the level of just 
absolute evisceration after that was extraordinary. They conceded seven goals in, I think, eight games before that. Then they conceded seven goals in 48 minutes. Uh, and Liverpool were brilliant. They were brilliant. The front three looked brilliant. Liverpool looked suddenly this irresistible, the kind of Liverpool you write about in articles where you say they're irresistible, they will overwhelm you. Well, they actually were that team. And so I think it's more significant for them as a victory than it is for Man United as a defeat. I think it's a kind of black swan event for Man United. Whereas for Liverpool, there is evidence there that there's still so much strength in the team and that Klopp has still got so much to give. So I think it's probably more important for them. And I think I've probably talked enough. Thanks for your time, Barney. Um, <laughs> you can go now. Uh, um, yes, Robin, I think I was saying on the radio to Barry words like major surgery required for Liverpool. I don't know if I have to backtrack on that completely, but that front three were great. I mean, Troy Deeney on Match of the Day 2 said that Nunes and Gakpo are 23 years old. Their ceiling is through the roof, which isn't mm. really how isn't really how houses work, I don't think, unless obviously you're a footballer. You're so much money. <laughs> yeah. your, your ceiling can be through the roof. But they were both great. Gakpo took his goals so well, didn't he? I don't think anyone can claim they saw this coming. <laughs> Surely not. Um, but I don't think it was because of... Uh, you know, Liverpool are capable of this. Um, they haven't been, they haven't shown much evidence of it this season. But it's more that, as Barney was saying, Manchester United that this to chuck in this sort of performance um, is is just unbelievable. I just wonder how how far is Eric Ten Hag going to make them run this time? <laughs> when they lost to Brentford, um, that was the big headline, wasn't it? And uh, I think the, I mean, the, the front three. I think um, they're very good players, aren't they? And it just hasn't worked so far. Um, but clearly, you know, Nunes was starting to get to be one of those sort of comical figures that kept missing chances and after his red card on his on his full debut. And but clearly, you know, he's he he's a very good player. Gakpo's a good player, and and Salah, he's not had his best season, but yeah, it just clicked. I think that the main issue people were having was with their midfield, wasn't it? And th- but they had a very good game as well. So I mean. To go from where they were to that is is quite remarkable and really unsure of um what Jurgen Klopp did. Or um or maybe it was just just, you know, a game at Anfield against Manchester United sort of focuses the minds. It was I mean it was remarkable. Yeah, and, and Barry, it's it's quite hard to analyse a game when you're watching it and just goals keep happening. You know, well I just can't keep up anymore. Even Manchester United stopped tweeting the score Did you see that it went like 4-0 Manchester United and then the next one was just goal Nunez but they just didn't put the score anymore but it's it's quite hard to sort of break it down I think it is a bit you know anything over four goals you start to lose track of which goal went in when and who scored it this was United's worst defeat since 31 I think which was a similar scoreline and back in 1931 it would have been a game attended by thousands of people and then a, a scoreline in a paper with a little match report and that's it. But here, you know, there's you get to enjoy the game itself and it was it was genuinely comical. I even thought at half time Manchester United would come back and win. <laughs> I um I thought they were the better team in the first half and crikey how wrong was I. But in this you get to enjoy the game and and depending on your allegiance, uh, you know, possibly not enjoy it at all. Uh, and then you've all the stuff going on in the background, you know, how will Graeme Souness react? How will Roy Keane react? How will Jamie Carragher react? How will Gary Neville react? Uh, how will various blowhards with fan TV channels on YouTube react? And you get to, you know, enjoy all that background noise as well, which is also very entertaining. I did like the fact that before the game, Graeme Souness, the soothsayer, was was churlish about, you know, being asked to, to do a U-turn on his opinion on Casemiro and then stated confidently that he thought Liverpool would win this very easily. And you could see Gary Neville and Roy Keane smirking in the background and thinking, you know, this guy is an idiot. He's no idea what he's talking about. And then Casemiro proceeds to have his worst performance by a mile in a Manchester United shirt and Liverpool wins 7-0. Uh, I am aware I haven't answered the question you asked me and I now can't remember what it was. But uh... <laughs> Neither can I. So yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I'll go to Barney. What did you make of... I mean, because, you know, it's, it's quite hard when you're trying to work out. I mean, Liverpool were brilliant, United were terrible. But the, 
the most fun part of this was watching the kind of collapse of this team that had been so brilliant and then watching them, I don't say they turn on each other, like, you know, is that spiders after they've mated or whatever? But, you know, like Bruno Fernandes kind of waving his arms. It's sort of everywhere, just like constantly furious. And then asking, basically asking to be substituted. It's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, reaction about Bruno Fernandes. Is he fit to wear the armband and stuff like that, which people like. Uh, it's a good discussion. But I don't know. I mean, he's he's been a really good player for Man United uh, through some difficult times. I, I don't for a second think that... He's a problem or the reason why they lost that game. He basically kind of has an annoying face and an annoying manner. And when things go wrong, people tend to kind of pick him out. Um, they, they, they had an argument after the Carabao Cup final, him and Casemiro, and that was because they were winners. That's how much of a winner he is. But now now being upset uh, means that he's that's how much of a loser he is. I mean, you know. He's he's a good player. He's a very intelligent player. He um he he absolutely immersed in the game. He's one of those players who goes home and watches the game back instantly when he gets home and analyzes everything, analyzes his own performance, um, and will probably end up being a manager. Um, I don't for a second think Bruno Fernandes is a problem at Man United or should be stripped of the armband or what have you. But it is. I think there's there is a thing about systems teams. Sorry to go back to your question. Football is, there's a lot of really regulated sort of pattern play. And uh, Carlo Ancelotti has talked about solving Liverpool. But he feels he can solve them because they play to a, in a formulaic way, which is interesting. I don't know how much he really believes that or it's kind of mind gamesy stuff. But I think that you have seen quite a lot of big defeats where something goes wrong in a team's system. They don't instantly know how to fix it. And, and other teams are so efficient at preying on that that you will have complete meltdown halves like that. Uh, and that, that has happened with Liverpool and with Man United. Robin, Liverpool must be favourites for fourth now. I mean, <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's... Yeah, it is mad. But I mean, they, they have had what five consecutive clean sheets, obviously within that, in the league, within that they were hammered by Real Madrid. Mm. And then you sort of watch that yesterday and this is obviously recency bias. The last thing I watched them do was eviscerate quite a good team 7-0, <laughs> but they couldn't. They couldn't go to the Bernabeu and, and do something, could they? Well, I think they could. Um, you know, Real Madrid, again, they're not doing very well in the league. I think they drew a nil-nil with Betis. So I think at the weekend, Barcelona are pretty much running away with the title. Although Real Madrid in Champions League is just different gravy, isn't it? It's like almost no one can stop them. They can be terrible and they, they manage to, to dig out a result. I think they can do. This will give them so much confidence I mean, it's unlikely, but it just seems to be so similar to that season where they started terribly and then they had that, you know, Allison header um, and then they managed to get third, I think, not even fourth. They got third and it's just so familiar to that. And they just, if they can keep this going, this this is not a one-off result, then I think they are favourites for fourth because as we've seen, you know, Spurs and Newcastle are now just starting to 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 go the other way at the crucial moment. So I, I really, I think that they might be from what looked like an absolutely impossible position. The whole thing's odd. How, how Spurs, as far as I can tell, have lost every single game they've played this season. <laughs> all, they lose every <laughs> time so. and, and they're fourth. <laughs> how has that happened? Eric Dyer constantly looking miffed at another goal going in and they're still in fourth place. We'll get to them. I mean, Barry... At the same point, it's like, is, is this just... Eric Ten Hag had done so many things right and you just, you just felt like Manchester United were getting to a place where, you know, they were going to maybe even push for the title. You know, unlikely, but possibly. And you wonder if... Like, is it better to lose 7-0 so everyone goes, hang on, lads. You know, like a 1-0 defeat, you go, oh, everything was fine and we'll crack on. You know, in a stupid way, is that better? And everyone goes, ah, oh, shit, we're not as good as we thought we were. Was that a really stupid question? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how much you can read into this until you see how they react. There, there's so many players had a shocking day at the office. Players making mistakes you wouldn't expect them to make. Uh, Anthony was awful. Casemiro, Fernandez, Sabitz are all giving the ball away and that sloppiness leading to goals. Liverpool's absolute ruthlessness in front of goal. Like I said, I still, at half-time, I thought Manchester United would come back and win. So they've had a shocking, 
shocking 45 minutes and as Ten Hag said they all lost their heads too many of them had an awful day at the office but I wouldn't write you know write off the Ten Hag regime you know before this game he as Barney has pointed out he's been praised to the high heavens for the the manner in which he changed the culture at the club so yeah, let's let's wait and see what happens. There must have been someone on a radio phone who said they never should have got rid of Ronaldo yesterday <laughs> after all that. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. He would have changed it, wouldn't it? It's worth mentioning Bobby Firmino as well, who announced he's leaving Liverpool. And he's actually, I was really surprised to hear that under Jurgen Klopp, he has made the most appearances of anybody and has been just so central to, you know, Liverpool Mark 1. And we'll see if, you know, Gakpo can go through the roof of the season <laughs> and become the next... Bobby Firmino. Uh, let's go to the Emirates. Um, utterly amazing game, this. Bournemouth were 2-0 up. I mean, they scored They scored quicker than anyone has ever run the 100 metres. Um, uh, and then, you know, you can score too early. I'm sure Bournemouth fans think that is, really is too early. And then the last kick of the game, basically, the left foot of Reese Nelson. Rich is how much will the Reese Nelson statue cost? Barney, did you... F- I mean, it was just, just a pure... Like, if you're a Bournemouth player, you'd have gone... Do you know what? I will take that. Reese Nelson swinging his left foot in the 98th minute would probably get a point here. Yeah, and it was a genuine half volley, which is a is a rare thing. Um, and his weaker foot. It's it's an amazing story for so many reasons uh, within one game. I, I mean, I really like Reese Nelson, and I'm really pleased he's had that moment. He's a, you know, he's an Arsenal kid. Um, he's from I think he comes from the old Kent Road around there. I think he may have gone to the same school as. Uh, David Hay around there, um, but he um, he's a, a nice kid who kind of lost his way a little bit. Who was seemed to be lacking. There's a, it's a bit vague, but um, he seemed to lack motivation. He wasn't fierce and hungry and vicious enough. That was the feeling about him, and but incredibly talented. Um, you know, he was in the England under seventeen team that reached I think the final of that competition. Uh, and everybody always knew he had this ability, but he was kind of, he's like a mild, nice person. And he went to Feyenoord and he was bowled over by professional training there. There was a sort of bit of a problem, like we can't keep this kid here. But Arteta's handled him really well. He's spoken really publicly and quite warmly about his change in attitude, about how he really believes in him. And to send him on for a substitute, when you basically, the title's slipping away, you need a goal, you need a goal. That in itself is a massive vote of confidence and to then see it sort of pay off and the celebrations were so nice he wasn't his celebration of the goal was more sort of relief I mean that's something he's worked towards since he was six years old um it was just a really nice moment and he was very humble afterwards and uh I'm I'm really pleased for him and it you know there's some likable things about the team and the club I mean I'm not a supporter of any of these teams but it's hard not to to will them on when you see things like that Max asks, Robin, how would you have commentated on the Reese Nelson goal? A Nelson Aguero moment? A subdued <laughs> cool as you like? A Ray Hudson inexplicable and unhinged folksy aphorism? What would you have done? Just let the mood take you, I guess. I think so, yeah. Well, um, Steve Wilson did a great job because he basically just didn't say anything because that's you didn't need to. Just the pictures said everything. The crowd, um, you could hear them. It was, yeah, it was perfect. And I just can't decide whether I mean, the romantic in me is this is fate. Arsenal are going to win the title because of these sort of these setbacks and then they're, they're overcoming them. But then if you're, I don't know, the sort of more forensic view would be, you know, that's twice now against Villa and Bournemouth. They sort of got away with with being a bit sloppy and... Just, I know we'll go on to City a bit later, but they seem to just look a bit more in control. So I don't know. I mean, it. it I think, um, and people were also, it was interesting, they were likening this to, um, do you remember when, when Leicester won the title and Jamie Vardy, I think, got suspended and Joa had to come in. He scored a really crucial goal um, against someone. And so, yeah, it might just be meant to be, but I just still, I'm not sure because... They just do look a bit vulnerable, um, and it will be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how seriously they take the Europa League. That might come into it, I guess. Good teams always win at the end. Do you remember Vincent Kompany's ridiculous goal from outside the box for Man City? Man United winning all those games late on when they were really good. It's kind of because you're good that you you tend to have that incredible luck. I mean, 
Um, that's my feeling. I, I think um, also he had to rest players for this game. So Xhaka didn't start. And they've played so many games recently. And that, that was, he thought, obviously thought Bournemouth at home, we can sort of get away with that. And that it was that extraordinary first goal that set the narrative for the day because that, that shouldn't have happened. It should have been nil-nil after 20 minutes and then Arsenal start to... Um, but, um, yeah, Paperless, Paperless uh, was there. That's that's his nickname, Philip Billing, um, is known as Paperless among the other players. Like Paperless Billing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, sorry. It took me a second. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> it's one. Pretty good. A second. I was sad about it. He did once, when he had blonde streaks, he himself tweeted a picture of himself next to a llama and he looked extraordinarily like the llama but since the blonde streaks have gone he no longer really looks like a llama but yeah i'm i'm disappointed in myself barney yeah it's true i'm disappointed in myself for not getting paperless <laughs> billing as quickly as i should have done um but i enjoyed it thoroughly i got i got it but i'm wondering if this is barney doing one of those wind-ups where it well, of course he's not called paperless. paperless of course he isn't. Teammate. There's just no way he's called paperless. <laughs> but that's, it's like it's like it's like one size fits yeah. all. Footballers are clever. Yeah. They make they make up funny yeah, nicknames. Possibly. I think it's not. I don't think his nickname really is paperless, Barry. <laughs> and I'm pleased that you. Think you can hear them <laughs> shouting it when you watch their games. You can hear them shout, shouting, paperless. One of the really old players <laughs> it's, still it's, likes it by post. So he he refuses. He refuses to engage. <laughs> Bournemouth, Barry, a kind of afterthought in this game, but it is really worth spending at least a minute to say they played really well. They took a two-goal lead in the same way of, you know, how that dressing room would feel. The Arsenal team, the Bournemouth dressing room must have been desolate. Oh, they'll have been on the floor. Uh, they took the lead after nine seconds. They should have gone two up when when Billing uh, crossed to Django Tura or Otara. Who, who missed a good... Well, it was an excellent save from um, Ramsdale, to be fair. And, yeah, so they could conceivably have been 3-0 up. Good performance, but an absolute heartbreaker of an ending. And, again, we'll have to wait and see what kind of effect that has on them. they got Liverpool next, so... Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> they, they owe them as well, don't they? So... Uh... God, that is fascinating. That's great. That's great from the fixture. Great work from the fixture computer. Well done. Uh, Well done, you. Uh, That'll do for part one. Part two will begin at the Etihad. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, so Manchester City 2, Newcastle 0. Perhaps, Barry, not as straightforward as it seems on paper, this result. Uh, no. Manchester City took the lead. Excellent goal from Phil Foden. And then Newcastle had two excellent opportunities, which went to waste. Callum Wilson messed up a good chance. Sean Longstaff sort of dilly-dallied over a shot and, and it was blocked by Nathan Ake. And then... The, the second goal, the goal which killed the game off, came very much against the run of play because Manchester City weren't doing well in the second half. Uh, Newcastle were getting on top and then just a, another def- one of many defensive errors from Newcastle in the game. Kieran Trippi gave the ball away and Bernardo Silva, who was on off the bench, scored. That kind of was the slap down Man City needed to give Newcastle in this battle of the state-owned behemoths and it was game over so it's sort of been the story of Newcastle's 
life in recent weeks. They're playing reasonably well, but not scoring goals. The, the goals pretty much dried up, and they seem to be on the slide. It's one win in eight for them, uh, one in seven in the Premier League, three consecutive defeats, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how things go in at St James's Park if this. You know, they they were playing above themselves for the first half of the season, but things are starting to go a bit pear-shaped. But, but you would say on that, Barney, that, you know, given the squad that Eddie Howe has, and yes, they've spent quite a lot of money, but to be in, you know, fourth for so long, and is it fifth they are now, is actually, they are still outperforming where they should be as a, a set of players, you'd say. I guess so, yeah. I mean, there's still uh, a lot of slightly underinvested parts of the team. Well, they did spend more than Real Madrid and Barcelona combined over the last year. So that is quite um, a lot. Though, talk yes. of it being an incredible fairy tale has always seemed to me slightly. Um, it's a funny idea of what a fairy tale is. I mean, maybe that's a, the modern. It's a Disney kind of massive extravaganza CGI fairy tale with you know Tom Hanks in the main role. But I guess that's still still a fairy tale. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I find the whole Newcastle thing really strange. Um, I, I want I like Eddie Howe and I think he's done has done a really good job and they've 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 created a really good way of playing uh, even though it seems to be a bit niggly uh, and <laughs> I mean I'm surprised by the whole Newcastle as masters of shithousery thing I haven't really occurred to me but that seems to be uh, part of part of their play but um, and then yeah it's just hard to believe in it as a, as a the Geordie nation finds its kind of heart and soul kind of thing that the, the the final of the of the cup final was there and I kind of there'll be plenty more of those you know it's not it's not a miracle you know this is how modern football works uh, they'll be back and I'm sure they'll have plenty of time to to build a stronger there's been talk of much larger much greater investment coming in I mean the interesting thing is is what what do they what's Eddie Howe's par level with this team how long how long can they go on plateauing out slightly before there's pressure on Eddie Howe? I mean, that's not a joke. I know everybody loves him and he's done a really good job, but there's um, there's huge expectation. And and they're, I think they're obviously they'll give him the summer and Newcastle could be a totally different team next year, but there's massive expectation there and it's not been a good run of results. But also, is there something, is the ownership, is that, a, I mean, is that a question? Is, or do we do we think nothing's going to happen there? Because that's, you know, nothing. we were all shocked happen. by the revelation. <laughs> we were all shocked by the revelation that, uh, you know, they, they actually are involved in the Saudi <laughs> government. This isn't an investment fund, isn't it? That, that was, that was really, was that last week? Yes, they, it was on Tuesday, was yeah. I don't think we've discussed it in detail. Maybe we have, but it's the idea that basically part of the live tour they were arguing in the states that piff was part of the government and so therefore they didn't have to answer questions on this thing and there was precisely the opposite of what richard masters had confirmed to everybody when newcastle were bought and then i and then i was wondering barney how is that different to, to man city the difference is that that happened a long time ago uh, before anybody was really across this uh, or, or also um there it's political. It's entirely political. There are more immediate toxic political issues around Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Salman than than there there have been with with Abu Dhabi. Um, it's entirely that. Um, I think that there is. I have to say, I think there is a way that they can tiptoe through this and say, look, one of these what we're talking about is discovery in court proceedings and whether what what the bar is there for disclosing personal documents and details and things that may have security implications and speaking to the Premier League and saying whether you'll have day-to-day control of a club. Those are not the same things. The questions the Premier League are asking will not have been the same as the questions the San Francisco Federal Court are asking. So your answer, there'll be a different standard. of The Premier League can't demand to see your personal messages, but the court can. So if they want to tiptoe, yeah, it's very funny to say a bit of a gotcha, and I wrote a column about that because it is funny, but they would be able to argue that these are two different scenarios, talking to Richard Masters and being subject to judicial proceedings are not the same thing. And we don't know what the legally binding reassurances Premier League have received are about. It could have been, you know, do do you wear a hat on Sundays? I mean, no one knows. They just said we have legally binding assurances. Like, okay, what are those? Um, So I'm sure that there's a way they can tiptoe through that. 
back on the pitch, Robert, do you, do you, I mean, we talked about Arsenal sort of appearing like the vulnerable, you know, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. City are described as the relentless machine, but they aren't necessarily quite that themselves either, are they? But, but you always think they're going to win. I always think they're going to win every single football match they play in. Yeah, and no, I agree. I mean, they, they have shown um, that they're slightly careless. You know, they do get, I feel like they have given up more chances this season, but yeah, they just, they just win. It's like they almost do it on purpose to kind of lure you in and then they, then they strike. Um, and it's great to see, I mean, if, from an England perspective, it's great to see Phil Foden kind of back to his sort of, his best and, it was interesting because a lot of p- people picked up on last week saying that was the worst sort of spell of his career. But he said it actually because it was the first time he'd played without pain for a while. And it just made me realise, we all forget, I certainly do, a lot of them aren't, I mean, they're nowhere near 100%. So it's just, yeah, I, I think for myself personally, you need to kind of be aware of that sometimes, that when, they- when they've had a bad game and, yeah. Well, Robin, I, I have been podcasting at this level with plantar fasciitis for about that's incredible six months now, what a hero yet still delivering what a hero. it is pretty extraordinary yes thank you uh, neil says um erling harland's antics on saturday when he was sort of shoving dan Byrne in a massive person off reminded me of the blonde haired dude carl from die hard whose brother was killed by john mcclain and then he laughed started laughing and it's such a brilliant comparison i mean you a lot of you may have to go back and watch Die Hard to know who you're thinking. Who he's thinking about? It's, it's really incredible. All the comparisons, incredibly accurate. Um, uh, uh, he says definitely Max Zorin from View to a Kill, and I don't. I, pre- I presume it's the same person. I don't know that reference. Um, does any other player have this kind of acting range? Um, uh, do, do you do you follow any of that, Barry? I get I get the Die Hard reference, not the the Bond one. Was that Christopher Walken? It may have been Christopher Walken. I think he was a, a, a blonde, cackling villain in that film. Mm, I think that was Roger Moore's Roger Moore's final Bond, where he looked right. His legs had gone. He's saying Roger Moore's legs had gone. His <laughs> legs had gone. gone. He can't. He can't do his it. Legs, <laughs> his legs had gone at that point. They could only have Christopher Walken as the baddie. He could deal with the, the guy in <laughs> the guy from Die Hard. Carl. He was a really fascinating. Thing. He actually sadly died. Um, I think recently, um, or certainly I read his obituary recently. Um, he um, he he was a ballet dancer, um, and he I think defected um, from the Soviet Union, and uh, that was that was his big breakout role. He previously played um, uh, and a slightly evil but seductive conductor in the Tom Hanks vehicle Money Pit, and he he then after Die Hard he refused to play um, evil kind of guys or Soviet Union type people or Ivan Drago figures. He refused to be cast along those lines because he thought it was... And um, he kind of got slightly frozen out of Hollywood and uh, ended up um, sort of living alone in his flat and being a slightly sort of sad alcoholic figure. And and he was a very soulful kind of, um, you know, lovely guy, as I'm sure um, Erling Haaland is uh, as well. Anyway, Haaland and Grealish's time-wasting at the end was lots of fun, wasn't it? Keeping the ball in the corner, constantly twatting it against Newcastle players. Um, and an oversight on Lorius Carius's gloves for the League Cup final, um, a formal apology to producer Joel because he, he put it in the script and I left it out. Uh, Sanjay Bandari uh, uh, from Kick It Out says, Great listen, the pod. Disappointed neither Troy or Max raised the big question. From the final, was Carrius wearing gardening gloves or falconry gloves? They are quite incredible. I mean, it's worth searching them out. They're definitely not goalkeeper gloves. They're just like, have you got any old gloves, mum? I'm going out to play. Um, well, falconry is the national sport of Saudi Arabia, so he may well have borrowed the gloves from Mohammed bin Salman or one of the other <laughs> like, board members. Likely. Brighton 4, West Ham nil. Um, Rob says West Ham are doomed. If they don't get rid of Moyes, why are you all giving him such an easy ride? His management since January 2022 has been awful in the league, still in a job because he had a good European run. He even turned on the away fans after the game. Not acceptable. Um, Robin, why are you giving David Moyes such an easy ride? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting that the board really see there's no appetite to get rid of him at all, is there? It, I mean, it's odd because it just seems like when they reach the point... Um, of they, he needs to go, he somehow pulls it out the bag. But no, it's been a dreadful, dreadful season. And once again, they've spent a lot. 
And it just, it's almost made them worse um, from last season. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't understand it. I, I, I think, I, mean, I don't know who West Ham would get in, but I mean, it, they're, they're really in danger of relegation. They really are. And uh, no, I don't, I'm, I, I, I'm very pleased I wasn't at the Brighton game because, um, yeah, the last time I interviewed David Moyes was uh, slightly uncomfortable. You know, he gave, gives you that stare, which only he can do. And um, he's, yeah, he's just not very comfortable answering those sorts of questions, particularly. So uh, sack him, I say. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Christopher Walken stare, isn't it? it um, yeah. Meanwhile, Brighton Barry are, you know, continue to impress. That was a brilliant performance from them. And you'd have to say on the evidence of recent Brighton performances that they must be in with a shout of a top four finish. They have three games in hand over Tottenham. They have two in hand over Liverpool and Fulham, one over Newcastle, I think. And with the exception of Liverpool's second half performance against Manchester United, they're playing the best football of all those teams at the moment. Uh, they, you know, Graham Potter left them in a good position, and Roberto De Zerbi has has taken the bat on and and done more than his bit to to make them better. Uh, it would be an astonishing achievement for them to finish in fourth place, but it looks doable. Favorite goal of the weekend, I think, as well, Joel Veltman's chest. Oh yeah, such good distance mm. on it. Yeah, yeah, it's a sort of powerful pectoral muscle. Mm. He must have. And to do so when, you know, basically so well marked as well. Was, was, <laughs> so there was nobody near him. I mean, it was sort of insane. How like, And he's just standing on the six. I mean, that is, you're watching that going, that can't be real. Like, it can't. He wasn't being marked and then, like, a player drifted away. He just stood there. I think, if I remember it correctly, he just stood totally open in that bit. Um, yeah, mad. Um, do, do you think Alexis McAllister, McAllister was... More pleased with his goal or the gold iPhone that Lionel Messi has gifted him um, after Kieran Maguire saying Lionel Messi has spent £175,000 on 35 gold iPhones for the Argent- for his- all his teammates uh, with their squad number on them. So uh, that's a gold iPhone. Well, well, literally made of gold or gold coloured. Well, I'm not here for to give you details. Well, you think it'd be quite heavy? I mean, it'd be really heavy, heavy, because I always keep mine in my in my right pocket right, of okay. my trousers. I think a gold gold one. If 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 I had one of those, it'd probably be a real. I couldn't if I was running for a bus. That's true. Be, and would it be quite be quite dangerous if you're running for a bus and you don't make the bus and someone says, "Why didn't you?" and you say, "Well, it's my golden my, my gold iPhone was painfully banging into my hip bone will judge as you, I ran, won't they? People will say, "Yeah," <laughs> and I would say that in a really loud voice as I leapt on really oh. randomly just to everyone else on the upper oh, deck. My golden phone. That was, you know how it yeah, is. My gold phone yeah. nearly. Did you see that? It nearly stopped me. People would look away and probably just get off of the next stop. Um, uh, Wolves won Spurs nil. Somehow, some way, and we've already alluded to this, Barry, Spurs are still in fourth place. And a nice change. Good first half, bad second half. Yeah. Um, they. It's a game that could have gone either way. My immediate impression with Wolves deserved the win. But then I'm thinking it's recency bias because they played better in the second half. But Tottenham were hugely on top in the first half but couldn't score. Um, missed several good chances. And, the, yeah, I, I have no idea how Spurs are fourth still. It's it's just remarkable because, as Barney said, they seem to lose every single game they play and yet they're fourth. Um, <laughs> and still in the and Champions League. Still, Well, I don't think they'll be in it for much longer, but um, we'll see. We'll find out soon enough, I suppose. Yeah, a good performance. A, a, a reasonable performance from both sides in each half and Wolves took a chance and Spurs didn't, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, a wretched week for Spurs because if you play a weakened side and lose to an even more weakened side from a lower division in the FA Cup, Robin, you better win the next game. Now, this sort of seems to be quite key. Having said that, I think, you know, 
as we said, the Bournemouth players would have looked at Reese Nelson lining up going, we'll take that. I think Spurs would have looked at Adama Traore trying to contort his body and calmly play a side foot volley. <laughs> yeah. And it's to go anywhere in the lower tier. And you'd have said, well, we'll take that. Absolutely. No, he's he's really uh, prolific is not how you describe Adama Traore. It was a magnificent finish, but I, I do think Spurs were slightly unfortunate here. I think they hit the bar twice, didn't they? And um, the analysis on match of the day was that Wolves... Um, praising the Wolves manager Lopetegui for changing it at halftime and matching them up and uh, and that was kind of the the reason why that uh, Spurs sort of didn't perform very well in the second half they're a strange team they're such a weird team but I guess Conte's back isn't he for the next for the midweek so be interesting to see if that makes any difference at all <laughs> do you think they're all they must all be so pleased <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine the the lift in the dressing room. They're so delighted. This, this is, could change everything. <laughs> uh, anyway, that'll do for part two. Part three, uh, we'll wrap through the rest of the Premier League. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, at the City Ground Forest 2, Everton 2. I really enjoyed this game, Barry. I mean, it was, you know, Everton really Dyche has got into them now as they said on match day two hitting long diags some good long diags from Everton wasn't it and sort of Brennan Johnson being this sort of wonderful graceful graceful balletic player at the other end yeah this was a really good game which kind of has been overshadowed by the the Liverpool Manchester United result but I really enjoyed this there was a lot of needle a lot of snapping into tackles uh, two teams really really trying and it also had the Sean Dyshest goal you've ever seen <laughs> in Everton second, where uh, Jordan Pickford la- gets it launched from halfway, free kick. And then there's a Tarkowski header, a keen flick, and Abdullah Dekore heads it home from the edge of the six-yard box. Um, you know, just absolute textbook Dyche. Get it launched, header, 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 goal. And uh, you love to see it. Um, and as you say, Brennan Johnson scored two fantastic goals for, for Forrest. Dyche was a little bit... He, he, he and Gibbs White played very well. Afterwards, Sean Dyche was a little bit annoyed that Everton hadn't got a, a penalty for Jack Colbeck's challenge on Seamus Coleman. I wasn't sure whether it was a penalty or not, so I suppose it wasn't a clear and obvious error if it, indeed it was an error at all. But really good game, really good game between two struggling sides and... Forest probably should have won. They were the better team towards the end, but uh, a point each, which, yeah, well, is better than nothing. The only thing I wrote down about this game was Pickford's antics. Um, and I, I don't think it's helpful. I really don't. Like, uh, he's got that thing of every time a goal goes in uh, or something goes wrong, or even if he makes a save, of having this explosion of rage. Um, you know, uh, Johnson's goal, brilliant. Brilliant goal. He kind of ruined it by smashing the ball away after. When a goal goes in like that, as a goalie, you have you have a duty to either stand rooted, looking baffled, like oh that was so good, there's nothing I could do, or to dive, knowing you're not going to reach it, but just to make it look better. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's, it's a goalie who's just been scored past having a tantrum. I don't think it's good. It, it, it's like a batsman who's just got out. You have a duty to manage that moment of death properly. If you throw your bat or you shake your head or you make out this unplayable out there, you're not helping the team. And I think it's the same with that kind of exculpatory, well, it's not my fault, it's your fault stuff. Um, that kind of bothers me. Meanwhile, Brennan Johnson, Robin, is 
he's he's sensational, isn't he? I don't want to just sell him to someone else, but I'm quite interested to know what his is if his ceiling is through the roof. <laughs> I think it is. I mean, he's got all the ingredients there, and he seems like a, just the way he finishes chances. Got such confidence for someone that young. He's got pace. He's got the tricks, and he just seems to always make the right decision. And I think um, if they stay up, hopefully he'll stay. But it's an interesting one. It's it's slight Jack Grealish vibes because. He's a sort of local lad. It's his. It's his team. So it, it it just depends on whether they can match. I guess his ambitions. It might be a little bit early for him to sort of move to you know a, a so called top six team. But hopefully they'll stay up. It's not so long ago actually that the Forest fans were were starting to get on his back and he was dropped from the team. Uh, he, he he didn't have a great start mm. to the season, but tough starts. He looks to the manor yeah. born now. Uh, Steve Cooper, it has to be said, Steve Cooper's done a really good job. It's a kind of anti-Potter, isn't it? We'll just throw players at you. But it seems to have really energised them. I don't see them going down at all. And he just has this great look um, all the time of kind of, uh, you know, crisis, what crisis? He kind of, he he always just looks like he's, um, you know, his car's broken down and it's raining um, and he's... Service station, pick up his keys from his ex girlfriend, but he doesn't care, and and it's all going to be fine. Uh, it, he's actually, it's a really, he's done a great job. The 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 madness of all their signings has has created energy. It's like this kinetic process, as opposed to you know what's happened at Chelsea, where it just seems to have created a bewildering mathematical problem that nobody can solve. So I think even though buying lots of players is hardly a hardship, he does deserve some credit for allowing it to be a, a kind of a fertile kind of madness. Um, let's go to that bewildering mathematical problem. Um, when when Joe Felix sort of caressed the crossbar with that strike, Barry, I really thought, here we go again. But Chelsea just about managed it, didn't they? Yeah, it wasn't a convincing win, but it was a win they needed. It was gold they needed. Um, first one in just under 400 minutes of playing time. Despite their best efforts to, to throw away the three points, they, they hung on. It wasn't, you know, but Potter will take that. A win is a win. He needed it and he got it. And Leeds will be disappointed they didn't take something from the game. Paul says, did the Chelsea player who ran to get the ball after they scored just assume they were behind? I think it, I think it was Koulibaly. Ran to pick the ball up and then, and then realised, actually, no, I don't need to run back like David Platt with this. I mean, that, that, that game against Dortmund, I mean, it feels like Robin, was, you know, it's sort of, he needed to win both these games and he's done one of them. So that, so Todd Bowley can't, you know, we'll get onto him being a bad, you know, being a bad luck charm for the, the women's team in a second. But, um, Still, Dortmund is massive for them, isn't it? It is, but I was I was really hoping that Chelsea just kept losing just to see, to test Todd Bowley's resolve because he's been so, no, trust the process. We're going to, you know, we've backed Potter. We got him out of Brighton. We paid an awful lot of money and we've spent a lot of money on players. I just, I was hoping that they were going to be in sort of a, in, towards the bottom four of League One, him going, no, we're going to stick with <laughs> gonna stick with Graham. We believe in him. The thing, Graham Potter keeps talking about suffering. He says that in every post-match interview. Mm, and the players suffered. We had to suffer today. I think he looks like he's suffering. I'm not sure. The, I think the players are like, oh, well, we're okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not great, but he just, yeah. The fact he keeps saying suffering is interesting. Isn't that quite, a, it's quite a sort of modern... Football phrase. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know mm. if you saw that. I don't know if you saw Dean Saunders, uh, the clip of him doing the rounds sort of get, taking every phrase that, that actually works for modern football and sort of saying it's ridiculous. But like, I think a, a lot of people like, you know, the idea that actually you do have to work hard to, and you have to defend well, and that is part of the game. And we were talking about sort of Anthony not really doing the suffering bit for Manchester United. You know, you do the fun bit and it's easy to run forwards, but actually you do have to suffer sometimes. Um, Barry, that's the biggest yawn you've done in a while on this pod. I, I, was, was I not oh, inter- interesting you enough with my <laughs> analysis of the word suffering? Um, uh, J- Jonathan says, should James Ward-Prowse be given special dispensation to take penalties from outside the box? He missed a penalty, didn't matter. Southampton did win, just one point off the relegation zone. Um, Stateside Saints says, has Barry figured out what to make of Southampton yet? Sincerely, a Saints supporter hanging on by a thread. Well, they are hanging on by a thread and but for the wayward finishing of Kalichi Nacho, they would have lost this game by about 6-0. <laughs> he, 
he missed. It's extraordinary. They're extraordinary yeah. misses. Real, real 50p head uh, a weekend for him. But a question from Anthony says, should Barry have been more open about the fact that his magical powers to improve Ian Acho's form had an expiry date? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can only do so much for Kalichi. At some point, he has to take responsibility for his own finishing. And, you know, it was a shocking performance from him. And then... Uh, in in the knockings of the game, Harry Souter tumped a header against the crossbar. So, precious win for Southampton, but they were very lucky. They're, they're extremely weird as well, aren't they? I mean, I was watching this, and what struck me is that Theo Walcott was playing at a World Cup when Tony Blair was the Prime Minister. <laughs> and he, st- that, he, he was playing for England before the iPhone existed. And he, he still... He's still promising. I still believe <laughs> that Theo Walcott, if he can just keep building on what he's achieved, you know, who knows? The sky, his ceiling, the ceiling is high. Um, but he's somewhat, through the roof. Yeah, he's playing for them with a bunch of other really oddly assembled players, and uh, it's it's just very. When will he ever stop? He still seems to be incredibly quick as well. Yes, I thought that. He, he at one point motored forwards or backwards. I wasn't really paying enough attention, but I thought. God, he's still fast. You know, he's he's still 17. That's the thing. He's eternal youth. After his first tournament for England, he bought everyone in the squad gold iPhones and they all went, what What are these? <laughs> <laughs> these haven't been invented yet. Um, Perfectly Cromulent says, should Crystal Palace be worrying? Um, they and Vieira seem to be getting a very easy ride in the media. God, another one, Robin, that you're just not criticising enough. Uh, when I don't know why you're the media and we're not, but anyway, <laughs> where their form has been awful. Are they actually any better off than they were under Roy? Or do they just look a bit nicer when they lose? Yeah, um, they're on a terrible... I don't think they've won since Christmas or something, or since the new year. They've not won this year. Mm. And yeah, and I think there's a point there. I think it's the French accent. I just, you know, when he starts talking, I can't can't criticise uh, Big Pat. Uh, but no, they. I think that, you know, they have a really fantastic technical and exciting forward line, you know, Elise, Zaha, Eze. So I think the Palace fans may have a slight gripe with the sort of paucity of goals they've scored. They're only they're five points clear. I should mention Leicester only two. So I don't know if, if Barney thinks they're gonna be okay as well, but I'm not not sure. Barney's not yeah, relegating anyone. The all, all gonna be okay. Anyone. <laughs> yeah, I I believe in a new league where no one is relegated. <laughs> But it is funny how um, Patrick Vieira, everyone likes him so much, he'll just get away with it. I mean, I, I'd just like to say that I don't disapprove of this, but do you remember that he kicked a fan to the ground last season during a pitch invasion? Everyone was just like, yeah, you shouldn't play. It's fine. <laughs> and and I, I'm actually fine with that. I think if you run on the pitch, you've got to take what comes. But there should have been more of, more of an outcry maybe, but it's fine because it's Patrick Vieira. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, good on him. You know, let, just let Patrick Vieira just get away with whatever he likes and we'll all carry on. Um, uh, Arsenal beat Chelsea, Robin, in the Conti Cup, the uh, Women's League Cup, which was a surprise. Arsenal obviously missing Miedemar and Mead and uh, not many people gave them a prayer. No, especially because uh, they played each other seven days ago and Chelsea dispatched them comfortably from the FA Cup. It was a really fantastic final, really top, top quality um, and Sam Kerr scored after two minutes and you thought, well, that's it for Arsenal. But they showed great spirit. Really haven't seen them perform like that in a long time. Real belief. Um, Kim Little was deservedly player of the match. And misfiring forward Stina Blackstinius, who it turns out was offered as part of the deal for Alessia Russo in January. So you kind of think, where's her head at? And so she's, she's coming for a bit of criticism, but you think... Gosh, I mean, that must have been really tough for her. She scored the equaliser and then just grew in confidence. And yeah, great for Arsenal, great for Jonas Adebal, who's got his first trophy, um, their first trophy in four years, which is a long time for them. And uh, yeah, Emma Hayes pulled no punches, saying that um, her team were complacent. She, you know, so on, no one kind of put that word in her mouth. She said we were too complacent. They wanted it more, which is pretty damning. Yeah, I mean, hopefully none of the Arsenal players or fans celebrated uh, winning that trophy, so that'll be an absolute no, disgrace. Very glum when the, um, the ticker tape was going everywhere and they were just was, wandering about. It was glum ticker tape. Uh, David says, How does Barney feel about Gianni Infantino showing up at Millwall for the day? 
Presumably all those times he was looking glum and checking his phone during the World Cup. He was actually, he's got a golden iPhone if anyone does. He was actually just following the transfer gossip to see who would show up the den in January. Yeah, it was it was surprising. Um, I saw Gianni uh, on Monday in Paris at the The Best Awards where he he kind of waffled on about football being love and football being everyone's gift. And the last thing he said in his speech was, enjoy football, as though this is clearly his gift to give. And then he followed that by going to the den, uh, which all fits together perfectly. Um, it was a bit of an odd one. I mean, there were loads of other games going on and games in London. I guess he's showing that he's some kind of man of the people. Mm. Uh, he didn't, he, he passed up Arsenal. I think he also, there, there were reports he had a chat with Delia Smith because they were playing Norwich. And I'd, lo- I'd have loved to have heard what they were Mind the Infantino and Delia. I mean, honestly, if you made that as a kind of road trip Netflix doco, <laughs> I would probably watch it. Um, William says, is, is Robin starting to worry about Oxford? They seem to be in free fall, although they were unlucky and had most of the play at Fortress Sinsil Bank on Saturday. I was just amazed not to see a draw. Imps still unbeaten at home. 13 draws and four wins at home for, for Lincoln. But are you, you sacked Carl Robinson, didn't you? Um, so what's... Well, I didn't, not, personally, you didn't but, personally. You didn't personally, no. You weren't giving him an easy run. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> uh, uh, you're not falling as fast as Cambridge, you know. In, but in varsity times, it's a terrible time uh, for varsity-based football fans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The boat race, Starvey, might be taking place in League Two. Yeah, no, it's not good. Not good. Um, need a manager because you, you sometimes think, oh, will the caretaker be able to provide something? That didn't happen on Saturday. I think it's seven defeats in eight. Yeah, it's it's grim. So um, yeah, we're looking. Look, when you're looking at results of Accrington and and uh, Forest Green Rovers, you know it's it's not been a great season. Some feedback from Thursday's pod where I was uh, outside uh, at a B and B on the coast of New South Wales, and there were a lot of crickets. And quite a lot of crickets today, even though I'm inside my house. That you may have heard, but. Uh, more feedback we had on this than anything we've had for a long time. TR says, there's an Australian living in Germany. It was lovely to tune into the latest Guardian Football Weekly to the sounds of the cicadas, I think they're called, in the background. Looking forward to hearing the possums in future episodes, uh, says Tom. Uh, North Van Dad says, driving home, I was so excited to tell my wife it was finally going to be time for a new car. No, just crickets in Max's garden. Um, I turned off the heat, says Cynthia, in New England in winter because I thought it was a problem with the fan. Uh, Steve says, I was looking around my kitchen for an electrical fault until I realised it was coming from the pod. Max's outside broadcast is a nightmare, says Smethic Mon. Took me a while to work out that his backyard's warbling insect bird marsupial was not my home's air conditioning, dishwasher, extractor fan, washing machine acting up. Thanks for the impromptu home inspection this morning. Uh, so yeah, no more outside podcasts. Rich says, Carly Ray Jepsen is playing Glastonbury. Should we be expecting Barry to make a guest appearance for a duet, Max on the Stools? Um... Are you uh, are you in touch with Carly? Should we get in touch with Carly? I I'm not in touch with Carly or Carly's people. I see that the Glastonbury lineup has come in for a lot of criticism. Um, so if I can jazz it up a bit, I'd be happy to do that. What's the criticism? And would you help? Would you help solve the? Criticism? I don't think I would. Have. I think the criticism is just too male heavy. Right. So adding a heavy male <laughs> lineup. <laughs> is unlikely to make things better. Uh, and John finally says, will you drag the Subaru story out as long as Trevor Nelson's microwave? No, it's sitting outside my house and it is a blessed relief. So there we are. Oh, the end, hurrah. The end. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's good. So thank you to the police. Max, why do you have a Subaru? Why Subaru? I don't know. It's I the just... kind of car that people in people in Somerset drive who are kind of, you know, have a reboard engine. Honestly, come I t- up okay. you at 90 miles an so, hour. So I obviously know nothing about cars. We had a Ford Focus and the air conditioning didn't work and we were about to have a baby and we thought we should get a car with air conditioning that works. And then a mate of mine said, I know a car dealer called Ian. So I rang him up and said, have you got any cars with air conditioning that works and that beep when you reverse? Because I was really wanted a car that beeped when it reversed because I'd never had that before. And he said, I got this one. It's even got a camera when it reverses. So I was like, all right, I'll take it. I didn't really care that it was a Subaru. I don't didn't know that was a car that, I, you know, you would, you know, months later, Barney Ronnie would frown upon. No, no, they're really good cars. It's, it's really well made. Oh, right. They're real petrol head cars, but they're just kind of slightly frightening. Oh. 
that, that mm. whenever I see one, I, I think that I might be abducted and uh, taken to a remote spot in the woods. I suspect we should go now. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, no more chat about the Subaru, I promise. Um, back to the microwave. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. Thanks, Barney. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Max. Uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Danielle Stevens. This is The Guardian. <laughs>